Awesome stuff. Man, we're so excited that you guys are here today. We are in our uh, second sermon on our new uh, series called Difference Makers. Last week we talked about the difference maker that is the presence of God in our life. How many know the presence of God is a difference maker in our lives? We're thankful um, that we serve a God that's not afar off, but he's a God at hand. He's a God of comfort and peace and guidance. And we learned that you really cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Nor why would we? Uh, his presence is a comforter. It's a guide. It's a peace. It's a, it's, it allows us to, to run down the stream of life to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you're new to your faith, he's always just a prayer away. Holy Spirit, would you come? And his presence will guide and lead us. Today we're going to talk about the difference maker that is the word of God in our life. Psalms 119 verses 105 is where we're going to be referencing today. We're going to be all in Psalms chapter 119 today. And I get the privilege and honor of talking to you about the difference maker that is the word of God in our life. Here's what Psalms 119 105 says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help me? As my son prayed earlier, help, help my dad preach today. God, would you help me? We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody says, here's the truth. The light of God's word can be blinding to the eyes that have gotten used to the darkness. I don't know about you, but an 11-year-old around a campfire in the middle of summer with a flashlight is a dangerous thing. My 11-year-old, um, the, the thing that he loves to do is to get a flashlight, and he thinks he's uh, shining that light to the trees or to the, to the sky, but inevitably it ends up shining in your light, correct? In your eyes. And there's something that's incredible that happens when the light shines in your eyes. It blinds you for a few moments. A flashlight with an 11-year-old is a dangerous thing. How about this? Have you ever stepped out of a movie theater into the parking lot and you watched a matinee and were suddenly met with the sensation of your eyes needing a moment to adjust to the light? That is a real thing. Our eyes, and I just this is a disclaimer here, so don't be taking any medical advice from a pastor. This is me doing some studies on the eyes this week. I am not an ophthalmologist. I just found it very fascinating as I studied and wanted to know why our, our eyes, when they get used to the darkness, why we have a trouble adjusting to the light. Our eyes have what I have read this week called rods and cones. Depending on the light conditions, rods or cones are needed. Rods are responsible for nighttime vision. They have a low resolution, but they are more in abundant. Cones contribute to daytime vision and are responsible for color vision and are fewer in number. Or in other words, when exposed to light, after being in the dark for long, the eyes can take approximately five minutes to adapt to light. It's the function of the cones in the retina. Whereas the dark adaptation takes longer, sometimes 20 or 30 minutes to adapt to darkness, or that is the functions of rods. The spiritual lesson as I was preparing for today is this. It truly is a slow fade to darkness. You have to know that when you start making poor decisions, people will come in our office, ask for discipleship, ask for counsel. They'll say, pastor, I made a mistake. And the mistake will be this indecision that sort of encapsulized where they are. And they'll say, pastor, I made a mistake and I need help coming back. One of the things that we try to point out is, is when you get down to the end of the road of destruction, it's not that you have made a mistake, it's that you have made mistakes. If you want to stay out of failure, stay out of failure situations. 
So in life, one of the things that you learn very often is, is if I make a mistake, I can actually trace it back and see that I've made hundreds of small mistakes to get to that big mistake. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? And so you guys have to understand that it is a slow fade to darkness. But it can be, I love this, a quicker journey to the light. The journey to light will cause a sudden awareness and can be uncomfortable. Think about Isaiah. Isaiah, when exposed to the glory, became suddenly aware of how unclean he was. It's why the Holy Spirit in our life can sometimes, in the beginning, be so uncomfortable. When the pastor or, or, or preacher preaches a sermon, and it's like he's talking directly to my sin, even though he doesn't know my situation. Or I open up the Bible, and the Bible starts reading my mail, so to speak. It can be an uncomfortable situation when the Holy Spirit begins to shine the light on the darkness that we have walked in. Most of us, if we were to be, to be honest, we would be like that 15 or 16-year-old teenage person that wants to be in the room with the, the curtains drawn back, and we want to stay in our darkness because our darkness makes us comfortable. But you have to know the relationship with the Word of God at times will cause you to walk into a places of being uncomfortable. Light sensitivity, also called photophobia, is a term that covers any sort of eye discomfort in bright light. This can range from having difficult adjusting to brighter lights after being in a dark room to experience pain in the eyes or head from lights that are too bright. I grew up with my mom having massive migraines. Does anyone else in the room have a problem with migraines? Any kind of light sensitivity will cause you to have just massive pain. So many people equate pain or conviction or discomfort as bad, but in, in, in reference to the Word of God, sometimes... The Bible wants to discomfort you to get you out of your comfort to get you onto the right path. The Bible actually says this, whom he loves, he chastens or he disciplines. If you haven't heard the, the, or have felt the discipline of God in your life in a long time, could I just lightly walk into your pew and into your life this morning and say, you probably need to turn your inner ear or open up your eyes towards the word of God so that you can feel the love of God in a way that's going to take you off of the wrong path and now onto the right path. Look to your neighbor and say, he's preaching to me now. He's preaching to me now. We are living, I, I believe, in a day where spiritual photophobia is everywhere. There's a sensitivity to the light or conviction of the Holy Spirit or the Word of God because the Word of God or the Holy Spirit never when he calls you to an action, will only call you halfway from something. He'll call you to the total way. He'll give you the grace that you're going to need to walk it out, the mercy of God to walk it out, but he's going to ask you to walk it out to the place of wholeness and health before him. So discipleship could be described as this. The process by which our spiritual eyes go from being used to seeing in the darkness to now seeing in the light. So God, God allows this coverage or allows this place for you to walk in. Salvation is different than sanctification. I am saved by grace, not by works alone, but then he allows me and loves me enough not to leave me where he found me. Aren't you thankful for a merciful and grace-filled God? So discipleship then allows me, you ready for this one? Allows, me to, allows my eyes to adjust from living in darkness 
to now being able to live in the light. You're like, you remember how you used to live in the darkness, correct? Some of you guys were bad. Look to your neighbor and say, some of you guys were bad. Like you were really bad. Like you were extra bad. Don't point fingers. Some of the people that you used to dance with on the club floor, those moves that you used to have, oh my goodness. The different eras of moves. I mean, you guys, some of you guys couldn't dance, but you guys got a little liquor and you started to dance. And then it was like all good, right? Aren't you thankful for the grace and mercy of God? My pastor would always say, you know, when we were before Christ, we used to be ashamed of who we were dancing with, so we would turn the lights off pretty low. And now that we're saved, we're not ashamed of the person we danced before because we want to know the world to know that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. We're thankful. But we need healthy eyes, and we need the ability to walk from squinty eyes to healthy eyes, from eyes that are, that are adjusting from the darkness to light to now eyes that know, listen to me, know how to have a healthy marriage, know how to raise great kids in a crooked world. They, they know how to reach out. They know how to not be offended at everything that comes their way. They know how to walk in grace and love towards everybody around them. But it takes some time of adjustment in our lives to go from our eyes being used to the dark to where God wants us to be, which is eyes that are, that are used to the light. And so listen to me, if you feel uncomfortable as the Holy Spirit has opened up his word and opened up his life to you and, you're, and he, he's taking his little pointy finger and he's saying, I love you, son or daughter, but don't do that or change that attitude or change that perception or, or maybe have that attitude uh, adjusted or maybe go from that place of, of struggling with this to now living in freedom from that. If the Holy Spirit has been pointing things out to you, the enemy would like for you to think that that is condemnation when really it's the conviction of God and the love of God that says, I want my children to be free. The hope is, is that we become free sons of daughters because listen to me, it is free people that actually free people. I want to be free. I, I want to be with my life. I want to do what has been taught and showed to me, which is allow people to with my life experience the same jailbreak that I've had. Like, I don't, I, I'm thankful. If you were to know, if I were to ever drive you back to my childhood home, uh, corner of J&R Boga in the middle of nowhere in this town called Linda, and, and we don't, it's not even a town anymore. That's how bad it was. It went bankrupt, and it's unincorporated, and the unemployment rate was 40%. And, and my friends that I were growing up with, their moms were, I got little kids in the room, but they were ladies of the night. They were, they were people that you didn't know. I mean, I grew up in the hood hood. And for that guy, for, for God to find the Smotherman family in that place and put us on a solid rock and allow us to free other people, that is the kind of God that we serve. In this room, you have to understand, none of us are worth it. All of us are unworthy. None of us deserve the love and grace and mercy of God. None of us do, but he allows us to take our old eyesight and trade it in for something that is new and then allows our kids. Jaden and Jace do not know the life that I knew growing up. It was wonderful and it was great and it was, my, my parents were the first generations of saved people in their family and they allowed a lot of junk to stop with them. Thank God for godly parents. And as the generation goes, the filter of what is of the world doesn't get touched on what what happens down the line in generations? Because why? We are not the lid of our children. We are the foundation of our children. Yeah. 
We are the foundation of future generations. We need healthy eyes. Look to your neighbor and say, we need healthy eyes. And so Psalms 119 is, an, is a pivotal chapter in the Bible because it gives us the declarations of why God's word is a difference maker in our life. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Each stanza starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It is an interesting chapter. But Psalms 119 gives us, again, the declaration of why God's word is a difference maker in our life. It's a difference maker because why? Because of what it is. If you read Psalms 119, you will read various names that this psalm employs for the word of God. You ready for them? It will call the word of God the word, the law, the saying, statutes, ways, commandments, path, testimonies, precepts, and even the judgments of God. Let me take you out of this lesson and bring you into last Sunday morning's lesson. We also learn that the presence of God in Scripture has different kinds of names, correct? We've learned that we can say Holy Spirit come or the presence of God come or the tangible touch of God would come in our lives. We know that when the presence of God comes in the room, there is a liberty and freedom that is often associated with that, correct? So the Holy Spirit is not something that we are to be afraid of. It's something that we're supposed to welcome in our life. Because if you want true freedom, if you want deliverance from past bondages, it is in the Spirit of God or in the presence of God that allows those freedoms to explode in your life. How many has ever had an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit will always point people to Jesus. If you have those moments in service or in your car or when you're getting ready for work on, on, on Monday through Friday or you're talking to a coworker and the tangible presence of God comes into a room, in a moment it can change your life. Aren't you thankful for it? I have seen in a moment where drug addicts go from addicted to, to delivered. There wasn't a 12-step program that was needed. I'm not down on 12-step programs. They can be part of the discipleship process for sure. But you have to know that, that the power of God can heal and deliver in a moment what would take a lifetime to do on your own. I'm thankful for that. And just like the tangible presence of God is known by different names, so is the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word, the law, the saying, the statute, the way, the commandments, the path, the testimonies, the precepts, and judgments. Us as Christians in today's culture, we're like, well, don't call it a law. That's a lot. That's really too hard. That's too harsh. No, but the Word of God is the difference maker in our life that allows us to know the path that we are supposed to walk on. Psalms 119 gives us various pictures of the Word of God. The psalmist likens the Word of God, ready this one, verse 9, to water, to verse 14 as a treasure, a companion and a counselor, verse 24. A song, verse 45, it's like honey, verse 103. It's like a light, verse 105 and 130. And it's also like a heritage for me in verse 11. In other words, to fall in love with God's word is to fall in love with God. To fall in love with God's presence is to fall in love with God. Because as we learned last week, you cannot separate the person of God from the presence of God. And this week we learned that you cannot separate the person of God from the precepts of God. To love him is to know him in all ways. Here's my encouragement this morning as your pastor. Be a person who learns how to practice his presence and his precepts. Don't just, don't just go to the spiritual gym that is church on Sunday mornings 
and pretend that you're going to get a workout. You might as well jump on the treadmill while you're here. You might as well on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday get in your word and say, Lord, I am not going to dictate to you what this says. I'm going to allow this to tell me what it says. And I'm going to live my life on the firm foundation that is founded upon God's word. The psalmist tells us that we should value the word of God again because of what it does. There are five things that Psalms 119 tells us about the word of God. The first thing is it tells us in verse number one or two that the word of God it brings happiness. Listen to what Psalms 119, one verses, two, verses 1 and 2 says. Blessed are those whose way is blameless and who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with their whole heart. This word blessed, you know what it means? It means happy. The psalmist is therefore asserting something that we need to know that is of strategic importance in our life, that our happiness is tied to how we value the word of God in our life. But we know that the enemy has succeeded in convincing most that the opposite is true. We see young people get duped by the thousands in churches that say that freedom is actually freedom from the laws of God when in reality it's the exact opposite. We would always tell young people that we were personally discipling. Could you imagine going on I-5 today on the way back to Central Point or Medford and the government deciding or the, the CHP de deciding or the State Patrol deciding that their California Highway Patrol, I'm still in California in my mind. <laughs> I got called a word this, this, this last week on a Zoom call we had. We are now, our church is actually known as, as the organ donors because we have given so much money towards missions. That's pretty cool, huh? We're organ donors. That's pretty awesome, yeah. There you go. But CHP is California Highway Patrol, so now you know where my mind was going. All right, nod your head at me, and next time someone critiques me in church, I'm going to point them out, and I'm going to go after them, all right? Fair? <laughs> but could you imagine? Could you imagine going on the, the highway, and all of a sudden, all the standards and lines are gone, and there's no limits of speed? Most people would think, that is Freedom. I can go as fast as I want, where I want, how I want, until you get next to the next knucklehead on the highway or freeway. And so most people in, in, in life, we think that freedom is found from rules or from statutes or from laws, but it couldn't be further from the truth. We actually know that true freedom is found underneath the covering of God and his word because we serve a God that truly wants us to live in freedom and not in bondage. Freedom is found in following his word, not departing from it. So how important is it for the difference maker that is the word of God in my life to then learn and understand the statutes and the laws that are found within this word? So we, we, we need to recognize the difference between uh, transgression, iniquities, abominations, sins, the Bible talks about six things that the Lord hates. Seventh is an abomination to him. The seventh is one who causes discord among the brethren. Other abominations can refer to sexual sins. We, we, we look to the word of God and we oftentimes will read the word of God and go, oh, my friend needs to hear this one. <laughs> Has pastor seen this one? Because he's been a little ornery on Sundays. No, but the Word of God, we are really good about reading it for someone else, but the Word of God needs to read us. And it is true freedom that is found. And so I, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at today, 
If you're a brand new Christian that just got baptized six weeks ago, if you're getting baptized in, in, uh, next Sunday, I, I want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself, if you find yourself as a veteran of 50 years of the faith, if you find yourself as a pastor, if you find yourself as a staff pastor, no matter where you find yourself, blessed is the man or woman who understands the importance of God's word and applies it to their life. So here's my encouragement to you. Would you start today? Start today. No matter how you start, if it's just a scripture a day, if it's getting with a friend that wants to disciple you, if it's, if it's coming to, you, to the pastors and saying, hey, I want to start, if it's going to a Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 where there's now food available. You like how I did that in the middle of a sermon? Come on, somebody. 6.30, there's food available. One of the best chefs in the entire world, Lou Long, is going to be cooking, and she don't mess around. She made some soup last week that was just exactly, probably better than Panera Bread. So come on, somebody. It was really good. Ladies, you don't even have to do dinner no more. Just come, and for a few dollars, you can, you can you know, feed your family. Wednesday nights, am I, am, I, am I getting my point out across? Men, 6.30. We have women's Bible studies on Wednesday morning. We've got men's on Thursday morning. You, there is no excuse with our youth ministry that we have on Wednesday nights, with the Rangers on Wednesday nights. Am I missing anybody? Does someone need to shout out to me? Uh, Sunday school on Sunday mornings, junior high. We, this is a place that values the word of God because it is in the word of God that you find freedom. And freedom out of the word of God is happiness. Thank you. Second is this. The word of God, it produces cleansing. Listen to what verses 9 and 11 say. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God produces cleansing. Third thing it produces. It produces liberty. Listen to what verse 45 says. 45 says, And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. That is liberty, isn't it? That the Lord allows us not to feel like we're condemned or we, if I step here, I'm going to mess up. Listen to me. It gives us a picture that we don't serve a God that has a hammer that is trying to hammer us over the head. That the moment that we mess up, he is waiting with his proverbial scorecard up in heaven trying to mark off what you're not doing. That's not the God that we serve. We serve a God that champions his sons and daughters. Listen to me. You have to know. I want you to listen to this pastor. You have to know whose you are. I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. Would you do this for me? And I want you to just like whisper to you, I am a child of God. Please let that sink in. I'm a child of God. The God who flung the stars in the skies and is flinging the stars in the skies. He's a creative God. The, the, the God that, that spoke and it was, it was good. The God that created, the God that sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. You ready for this one? I am his kid. We don't serve a God that's upstairs saying like, well, well, you didn't do this today right, or you didn't do that today right. No, there are two types of sinners in this world. You ready for this one? There are saved ones and unsaved ones. And those of us that profess to know Jesus and, and we believe, you know what we are? We're just saved sinners. We ain't no better than the other unsaved sinners other than we've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So don't you go looking down on someone at work this week. Because why? It is by the grace and mercy of God that we are now, listen to me, we are sons and daughters of God. 
It produces liberty. I, I am not scared to walk out on that old song, there's a blessed assurance. He's mine and I am his. I, I am a son of God. It gives us liberty. The fourth thing that it does is in Psalms 119, verses 105, it provides direction. We read it this, this morning already. What does it say? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We live in a dark, perplexing world that offers many paths, don't we? I, I talked about last month in our series, From Death to Life, that it is in the atmosphere of offense. The Bible says that there is going to be a spirit of offense that's going to come to the world in the last days. I believe that we are living in the last days. Our eyes should be on the second coming of Jesus, the rapture of the church, the second Listen to me. This, this book that we have in front of us, the value of this word of God, is that it's, it's not like all the prophecies are done. It's, it's, they're, they're, they're being proven today. We don't, we don't have a book that is, that is stagnant or, or 2D. We have a, a Bible that we stand upon that is 3D, that, is not just being, that has not just been proved. It is proving itself over and over again. That's the kind of word of God that we have. But in the spirit of offense, it's going to hit the world in the last days. Where nation is going to rise up against nation. Where church is going to rise up against church. Where people groups are going to rise up against people groups. It is, in, it is in that day, in the darkness of that day, where the word of God to those that love the word of God, the word of God is going to provide the difference in their lives. So you can't be scared about being uncomfortable. Or you can't be scared about when the word of God points out something that is difficult in your life. Oftentimes people will come to church and the Holy Spirit will begin to move in their lives and provide direction and they get uncomfortable and then rather than own and obey the word of God, they run and are discouraged from following the word of God. The fifth thing that it does is it provides understanding. The unfolding of your words give light in verse 130. It imparts understanding to the simple. I would describe myself as just a simple person. I'm thankful that God's truths are so simple that even I can understand them. That I don't have to have some doctorate or go to some seminary to, to be able to understand God's truths and its values. But I am thankful that the Word of God produces understanding. You have to know when you start studying the Word of God the difference between knowledge and Wisdom and understanding. They are similar, but they are different. But the word of God applied, ready for this one, allows a person to be a follower, a companion, and also a teacher. Do you know that there are three types of people that you need to have in your life today? The first type of person that you need to have in your life is someone that's further along the road than you. And I'm thankful that I am now, I'm at a church right now that has people that have lived a lot of life that can look at me and say, son, why don't you just, why don't you meditate on this scripture? And they'll say it like this, man, pastor, I love you. What you're doing for this church is incredible. I value you and your gift and your calling. You're here for such a time as this. But I, I want you to look at this because you might be missing something and I just need you to, to, to go to the word of God and maybe, maybe see it this direction. You gotta have mentors in your life. People that are, that are discipling. And in order to have disciples in your life, you, you, disciplers in your life, you have to be teachable. 
The worst kind of Christian to be around is a Christian who knows everything. Don't look, look, look to your neighbor and say, don't be that person. Don't be that person. To still be teachable no matter where you're at on this journey is important. The second type of relationship that you need to have is you need to have people around you in your life that are your companions that have the same goals and dreams that you have. There is this weird phenomenon in church that that I have seen for almost 25 years. People that are struggling in their marriage hang out with other people that are struggling in their marriage. Or people that have kids that are giving them trouble hang out with other couples that kids are giving them trouble. And really the opposite should be true of the church. That we should have such freedom in this place that if my wife and I are struggling in our marriage, that we don't feel like we have to go get affirmed in our struggle but we could get to, go, get to go to somebody like Keith and Nancy and get affirmed in our victory. Because we are not supposed to be people that are scared of correction and are scared of being teachable. So in this room, if you are struggling, and your people group is a bunch of people that are just like you, struggling with the same things that you're struggling with, may I lightly suggest to you to find some people in this church where you can live life with that are going to challenge you to be a better person than where you're at today. Here's the third thing, that I'll, the third type of relationship you need to have in your life. The third type of relationship is you need to have somebody that you are currently teaching. Well, pastor, I don't know a lot. I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't have the Bible stored in my heart like so many other people. Listen to me, it is a lie of the enemy where, where he'll tell you that you're not good enough to go free somebody else. I don't have all the answers. There's times people come into my office and they say, Pastor, what about this? And I'll say, I don't know, but I'm going to go get the answer for you out of God's word and I'm going to dig in it. And there is no shame in my game not thinking that I have to know all the answers, but we are going to do this together. To lead people is truly what it's all about. Here's a second major emphasis in the word of God. It's not why we should just value the word of God, but how we should value the word of God. First thing that we should do, if it's going to be a difference maker in our life, is we should study the Word of God. We should study it diligently. God's purpose in giving His Word was to point us to Himself. We are therefore to seek Him through His Word. Again, we're called to study it. The second thing that we're called to do, ready for this one? It's harder. We're called to obey it. The duty of obedience is set forth in the verses of Psalms 119 by walking in the law of the Lord in his ways and by keeping his testimonies. The third thing that we're supposed to do and how we value the word of God is we're supposed to store it. We're to to hide God's word in our heart. If you're a new Christian, just just to be able to say John 3.16 by memory, just, just to be able to grab one truth out of God's word and to store it in your heart. And what's so amazing about this is there's times when I'll try to give myself a self-test without the Holy Spirit's help. And in the moment that I ask the Holy Spirit to come and help me, the things that come in memory in the right time in the right place, because why? He is a great comforter. G. Campbell Morgan summarizes this kind of concept in this way. It is the best book in the best place for the best purpose. That's why we're called to store it into our lives. The fourth thing that we're to do to value God's word, ready for this one, is we're to declare it. Studying the word of God will cause our hearts to burn within us in such a way that we won't be able to keep it to ourselves. And fifthly, 
as we get ready to wrap up this morning, how we value the word of God is we rejoice over it. We will constantly rejoice over the word of God and delight in it. Because why? Not just of what it does, not just of of how we're to honor it, but because of where it comes from. Do you realize this morning there is no difference between an atheist who doesn't believe in God and a Christian who doesn't pray and commune with God? There's also no difference between an agnostic who doesn't believe in the Word of God and the Christian who doesn't read it. It's food for thought today that many, many times the enemy gets place in our lives not because we lack the know-how of what to do, it's that we just haven't put the know-how in place in our life. God, through his word and presence, invites you to a relationship with him. Let me give you three practical bits of advice as we close and as Leanna comes to the keyboard this morning. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 13. It's not in the, the PowerPoint or the, the, the slides today. But I want to explain this truth to you. The first thing that you need to do to go deeper in his word and his presence is the first thing. Invite the Holy Spirit to be the teacher and companion in your life that he is. Many people say, well, the pastor is the person who's supposed to teach me. No. I can be part of the process, but it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. Every one of you have access in your own ability to be taught by the Holy Spirit the deep things of God. We have a personal trainer that is available to us that will allow us to go deep into the presence of God and His Word. So when you begin to open up His Word, I would challenge you to start with a prayer something similar to this. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Would you help me understand the truths that are found within the Word that you were, you were here from the beginning? Would you guide my steps? Would you guide my thoughts? Would you give me understanding? Here's a second thing that I would give you practically in advice is invite others to go along with you in the journey. Whether an introvert or an extrovert, there is a place for you in the body of Christ. And we have large meetings and small gatherings to be able to allow you to go deeper. Here's a scripture that I want to give. And and Leanne, I know you didn't prepare for this, but maybe just stop playing and I just want you to to grab your microphone. And I want you, because this is, is, I felt this during worship and and you just have to roll with me. You ready for this one? The second practical bit of advice is that we, along our journey, we do not go alone. Here's Exodus 24 and 13. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. Do you realize that Moses could have went up to the mountain of God by himself, but he realized that it was better to take Joshua along because Joshua one day was going to lead? If you go alone to the places of God that God wants you to go, the next generation following is not going to be able to have, have had the same experiences that you have had. I was watching Leanna uh, lead worship this morning, and you did an incredible job. Did an awesome job with you and your team and your young adults. Yeah, give her a big round of applause. I just happen to know a little bit about your story of where God found you. Um, the, first, the first time I actually ever laid eyes on you was you were working at a Burger King in Linda, California. 
How old were you at the time? Put the microphone. 15. 15 years old. Um, you were walking how many miles to and from work? Pulled up, and, and uh, Leanna was a part of my brother, Stephen Stace's youth ministry and home church in, in Marysville. Um, I don't want you to go into the personal parts of the story that you're not comfortable with, but home was a little bit a mess. Describe that for the people. Yeah, so I um, grew up, my parents were both uh, drug addicts for the majority of my life. My dad was in and out of prison, and... Um, when I was about 10 years old up to that point, it had just been chaos. Um, people in and out of our homes that we didn't know, uh, drug abuse, different forms of abuse and that sort of thing. Me, my brother, and my sister, um, a lot of the times were alone. We did go to foster care at one point. Um, and then my mom or my dad ended up going to prison and um, my mom did as well, but she fought to get us back, and so we had about four years that were um, drug-free. My dad put us in a Christian school. By that time, I was a really angry, bitter um, 13-year-old. I just knew too much and had seen too much at that point that I was already you know, pretty frustrated and angry, um, didn't know God, mm-hmm. didn't want to know God. Um, and then... I had a moment to where, actually at uh, Donnie Moore camp, where the Lord just, I mean, made himself real in a way that I had never experienced before. And it was one moment where God, I felt he told me that if I surrendered, he would take care of me. And that was something that I had never known. I didn't know what it was like to be taken care of, to be loved. And when I tell you in a moment, God had changed me he had changed me. He changed my heart in a way that I could never describe. And I, yeah, and hands down the best moment of my entire life. And what's funny is I went back home and my circumstances didn't change. I was 16 years old when I gave my heart to the Lord. And I went back home. And two months later, I woke up in the middle of the night. And uh, my dad worked in LA at the time on an oil rig. And um, my mom had relapsed, and she had relapsed for about a year, but we had kind of been keeping it a secret in our home. And I woke up two months after I gave my heart to the Lord, um, and my mom was gone. She had actually left our home. Um, My dad worked three weeks out of the month in L.A., and me and my brother and my sister found ourselves home alone, um, living with just us three. And I started working uh, at Burger King, and I was walking to and from work, and trying to get my siblings and I to school and um, eventually uh, was asked to leave my home. Um, And that's when, you know, the Lord just, again, my circumstances hadn't changed, but when I gave my heart to him and the foundation that he had started to build for me, it changed everything. It didn't matter the circumstances that I was in. He always made a way for me and he always came through and You probably couldn't tell that looking at me today, but um, when I tell you that God has been involved in every step of my life, he has come through Mm -hmm. every every single time.
if we're not careful, we'll grow up in a Christian culture that will remember where God brought us from or forget where God brought us from. And uh, the powerful thing that is happening here is I'm watching um, my wife and I being able to get to worship together and you lead and watching my wife sing on the front row as though she was leading, but watching her not want to take the journey in her new season without bringing someone else along and then knowing where you came from and then knowing what she's gone through and being able to see this part of the lesson practically lived out. What a beautiful thing it is when the people of God don't go to the presence of God alone. You know? And it wasn't just it wasn't just Jay and Brooke, it was Steve and Stace, and it was Donnie and Cindy, and it was Al and Debbie, and it was um, Dave and Patty, and it was a multitude of people getting into your life and getting in the mix. Yeah. Um, I think if we're not careful, we'll try to, uh, one of the lessons that I've learned in discipling people, if you, take, if you take credit for the good that happens in people's lives, you better take credit for the bad that happens in people's lives. And so we don't take credit, it's, it's him working in people's lives. And when they do good, praise God. And when they do bad, hey, let's go help them get back up. Come on, somebody, because praise God. You're going to sing uh, I'll Build My Life, correct, right now? Or Firm, Fa- firm, first, firm Foundation is good. You're, um, when you're singing this song, now that people know that, that it's your story, like Christ is going to be the foundation of my life. Mm-hmm. You have to know that when you walk into this church, we are not going to be a church that expects people to come and live underneath a lid that is us. We are going to be a church that we're going to expect people to come live on the foundation that we are. And the foundation that we are is Christ. And we are going to be a foundation for people to where we're not going to be the young generation's lid. We're going to be their platform by which they jump off of. And what an incredible thing. Yep. I was just going to um, say real quick, you know, when I first started serving the Lord, I had no idea what I was doing. It was foreign to me. The first time I heard um, about the Holy Spirit, I thought it was odd. The first time I heard someone speak in tongues, it was, it was the first, you know, thing I had ever heard. It was, it was weird to me. And there were so many things I didn't know how to have a family. I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know how to be a wife. But I went and surrounded myself with people like Pastor Jane Brooke and Stephen Stacy, and I got to go to the uh, Donnie Moore camp where I got saved. And the things that I didn't know, I went and just said, I, d- I don't know this. And I watched them and I lived life with them and I learned so much. So if you are here today and you, don't, you didn't grow up in a Christian background or some of these things are, are foreign to you, um, I think that was one of the biggest things that God blessed me with was just people that could walk alongside of me and say, hey, that might not be it, or you might want to try this, Um, and lovingly tell me when I was doing something that was contrary to the Word of God, and it's blessed my life so much for things that I just didn't grow up knowing, that now I get to be a wife that I I dreamed of, and and a mother, the best thing in the whole entire world, when before I had no idea if I would ever be able to do those things, so just wanted to add that. You're there. Would you guys stand on your feet as we close this morning? Here's what we're going to do, as we always do. I don't know what your story is. I just know the difference maker that is the presence of God and the word of God in our life. It's available to you. I don't know if you just slipped in here. I don't know if it's your first time here. 
I don't know if you've been coming and checking what's happening and you're just wondering like, if, this, if this thing's for me, this Christian walks for me. I will tell you unequivocally, the difference maker that is the presence of God and the word of God in our lives has turned what the enemy meant for bad and harm, God turns it for good. You're here this morning and maybe your heart's not right with God and before we sing this final song, before we close, you, wanna, you say, Pastor, I wanna give my heart to Jesus. If he can do it for Leanne and he can do it for Pastor Jay and Brooke and he's no respecter of persons uh, and he can do it for me, I'm, I'm all in. I want God to do it in my life. And I don't, again, I don't know your story and this is no, this is no um, proverbial gun to your back this morning. It's like, no, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to give Jesus a shot in my life. And I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to put him and place him number one in my life. You don't even have to bow your heads and close your eyes today. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me so I could see it? Is there, is there one here this morning? We're at. There's one right here. Two up here. Anybody else? Is anybody else? I just want you to know without the hype, without the spiritual, you know, trying to set the spiritual setting with a keyboard player in the background and, and you know, a, a pastor that can work you up in a frenzy and cause you to make a decision that you didn't even know what you were making. Listen, w- without any of that this morning, without putting your heads bowed and your eyes closed, like legitimately, serving Jesus is the best decision that I've ever made and it will be the best decision that you have ever made. And there is a church family that wants to rally around people that say, God, I want to give you everything that I am. So we had a couple people raise their hand today, two or three or so. Um, Church, would you pray this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, those of you that raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, today's my day. I'm all in with you. I realize this morning that there is sin that separates me from you. My decisions that have run contrary to your word And this morning, I'm thankful for Jesus. What he did on that cross and the victory of the tomb, that he had victory so that I could have victory. Heavenly Father, don't just become Savior of my life. Become Lord of my life. I'm all in with everything that you have for me. We pray this in Jesus' name. I hear heaven right now rejoicing. Would you, would you join heaven in this room? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you that raised your hand this morning, we have what we call the yes team that just wants to come alongside of you. They're making themselves available. If you raised your hand, we have a book that we want to give you. We want to be able to connect. Uh, but I want you to know the difference maker that is the presence of God and the word of God in our life. And I've asked Leanna, uh, to sing this song, Firm Foundation, just before we close, one or two times through, would you help her in singing that Christ is my firm foundation? Hallelujah. Ooh, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus Cause He's never let me down He's faithful
so I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength. Cause I feel my life on Jesus, and He's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So got you. You're going to make it. Look to your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. I know, I know it seems like it's a little hard right now, but you're going to make it. We serve a God that does not fail. And if we just jump on what he's doing, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be winners just like him in Jesus name. And so listen, I want you to go out this, this morning being encouraged about what God's doing and listen to me. Do not, do not do not come back next Sunday alone because we're not meant to walk this journey alone. I'm safe with